When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, and you can be sure to uh, download this or view our show if you can't catch us live on YouTube or iTunes here after the show. Also, uh, we're on the FinFanatic.com website as well as the fan-sided network. Paul, so Dolphins are 1-0, Bills are 0-1. I think I mean, if you listen to Vegas, that would have been flipped here after the first week. And the Bills are favored by three and a half points in this game. And you know, the way I look at it here is, I mean, it's, this is massive. I mean, if, if the Dolphins win this game, if they go to 2-0, and they start the Bills out, obviously, at 0-2, put them in a pretty big hole to begin the season here. And things change because if you take a look at the Dolphins five games after this one here against Buffalo and before the Dolphins' next game against the Bills here a little in the middle of the season – Four of their next five games after the Bills here are pretty winnable. I mean, you've got – you play at Las Vegas next week, which is kind of a toss-up, you know, at least according to odds. Then Indianapolis at home, where the Dolphins will probably be favored. Then at Tampa, which is going to be a tough game. And then the Jaguars in London, which the Dolphins will be favored. And the Falcons at home, which the Dolphins will be favored too. The Dolphins go to 2-0 and here. I mean, it's not crazy to think – that we're talking about a five and two, six and one start. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. First scheduled for liftoff, the new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even Uranus. 
This fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch, and can engage a travel lock, and it's even waterproof. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Yeah, and my 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 uh, record prediction looks a whole lot less insane at that point, doesn't it? It sure does. Um, I I'm look. We'll get to our predictions later. I'm 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 sticking with mine, which was was that did I say ten and seven or eleven and six? I was kind of borderline on. It's a ten and seven. Ten and seven. Okay. I'm 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 staying there now, but I, I'll admit too, if the Dolphins win this game. That, that's gonna things are gonna change a little bit for me on that end too, and this yeah. is this is a big one. Yeah, and, and and what I'll say there, and one thing I took away from the Pats game last week is, Dolphins look pretty good in the trenches. It's the Pats front seven is a very good front seven, uh, and Miami's offensive line held up. I, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see if Austin Jackson comes in and starts whiffing like we've seen in the past if he's got a short leash for Eichenberg to take that left tackle spot. In addition to that, the Patriots have a top five offensive line in the NFL, and while it didn't translate on the box score to sacks, etc., Miami's front seven did very, or very, very well with, you know, a lot less full-blown blitzing to, to, get, to, the, to get to the quarterback than what we've seen in, in the past couple of years. So, if you look at Miami's trenches right now, that's going to be huge for them as far as down the stretch here. I wouldn't go as far as you did there uh, with the Patriots game. I would. But I, what I saw, it was the Dolphins blitzed a lot in that game. They blitzed over 40% of the time against the Patriots. They caused some pressure early in the game, but as the game went on, they were blitzing and they weren't getting there. Now, also on the other side of that, too, other than Damian Harris's 35-yard run on the first play of the game, which Christian Wilkins and Landon Roberts got wiped out on, I thought they did well against the run. They averaged three yards a carry, you know, right around that mark the rest of the game. So that's good. And the Dolphins are going to be without Raekwon Davis here for the next three games. John Jenkins is going to step in and play a lot of snaps there. And, yeah, I mean, in this game, too, the Bills really don't, have a, a big time ground game. I mean, Devin Singletary, eleven carries for seventy two yards last week. This is clearly a Bills team, though, and a Bills offense that is going to pass to set up the run. Yeah, and, and one thing I really like too, and, and they did blitz. I'm not saying they didn't when I said it before. Um, it's but it wasn't as close to an all out blitz as we've seen at times in the past, where they're really trying hard to manufacture. The gotcha. Run. Okay. Um, one thing I loved, and it's something I see the Dolphins doing more and more and more of with Flores here, is when you see those tackles going, once the tackle is a sure tackle, you see that hand going in and going like this, ripping the ball out. Um, and, and that did translate last week tremendously. Um, there were a tremendous amount of fumbles for a Week 1 team against a, a very disciplined Patriots team who has always been good 
about protecting the football. Certainly. And Josh Allen has, I think, 10 and nine fumbles in his last 10 games, somewhere around that mark. Hasn't lost a lot of them. And you've said uh, you said in the offseason mm-hmm. as well several times that a lot of those fumbles last year went the Bills' way. And that doesn't it doesn't take anything away from what Josh Allen did. He threw for 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns last year, and ran for 500 more yards. I mean, but yeah, he does put the ball on the ground a lot. And the, and the Dolphins' defense last week, Xavier Howard obviously has the game-clinching um, fumble and fumble recovery with three minutes left. Javon Holland forced a fumble, and there was another forced fumble in there somewhere. I'm done blanking. Eric Rowe ripped one out. Eric uh, Rowe, that's it. Thanks. Um, yes. on, top, on top of that, I believe it was Ogba early in the game um, knocked one out of Mac Jones's hands. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that play was called back. I've, I've got to review that. Uh, but anyway, um, Dolphins didn't have an interception last week against Mac Jones. But Javon Holland, Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe, all force turnovers. And it's a constant thing here. The Dolphins, for people who haven't seen the stat, have forced a turnover in 23 straight games, which is absolutely insane second is a three-way tie with eight games in a row with a forced turnover so yeah without question forcing turnovers a big part of the Dolphins strategy regardless who they play yeah and and I want to go back to something you said a a couple minutes ago Um, I I know I've talked a little bit about those fumbles going out of bounds um, and, and really you know like I think it was I think it was the Bills game last year where they had the fumble where somebody touched it from out of bounds when Miami could have could have had a touchdown uh, in that last game um but on top of that too Josh Allen one of the things that I know we've said and a few folks have run some stats on I, I think uh, Travis ran, ran a few stats on it in the offseason as well Josh Allen in his season last year were tremendous but Josh Allen also threw an exorbitant amount, and I don't have the number right in front of me, I apologize, of interceptable balls that didn't the defense didn't get a hand on and probably should have. Every quarterback has a few, but he, he is above the average line in that department, and he's never been a guy that protects the football. And if you can get a lead on Josh Allen, he is a guy that tries to do too much at times and force things into places they shouldn't be. Uh, try, tries to stay on his feet while not protecting the football a little extra. Uh, tries to make a stupid pitch uh, to make something happen. So Josh Allen's football security is not the best. And last year, it seemed to all go his way, and that does have a, a way of meeting up with the law of averages at times. You know, I think he... As, as far as putting the ball on the ground, I agree with you. As far as putting the ball in the air, I don't. Because last year, he had 10 interceptions. And, you know, according to PFF and every other metric I've seen, he, he didn't rate very high as far as turnover-worthy plays when he put the ball in the air. And the Dolphins certainly haven't been able to create turnovers against Josh Allen. That's the unfortunate thing here. And that's why this is so important. Let's get it straight. The number one goal for the Miami Dolphins organization is stopping and beating Josh Allen. If they don't beat Josh Allen, they're not going to beat the Bills. They're not going to win first place. They're not going to have a home playoff game. If they reverse that, and this is why this game is so big, you start off 2-0, and 
against Josh Allen and you show you can beat him early in the year and then your schedule gets a little bit lighter, man, oh, man, this could turn into a magical season. If not, we go to one and one and everybody's talking next week about how the Bills are still the kings of the AFC East here. Yeah, no, and, and I'm telling you right now, like, it's Miami goes to 2-0. and then there's only going to be one other team in the AFC East with a win this week because the Patriots go to meet the Jets. Um, so you could see two AFC East teams sitting at 0-2 at that point, and that really forces the AFC East early to start playing catch-up instead of just playing their game. Absolutely, and right, Dolphins win here, and let's say the Patriots win. The Dolphins head into week three where their schedule gets a little bit lighter with a game-and-a-half lead already in the AFC East. That's exciting stuff trending toward the future if that were to happen. Uh, but going back to Josh Allen, just some uh, somewhat depressing stats for him against the Dolphins over the last over his career. I mean, he's played five-and-a-half career games against the Dolphins, and I, I tweeted about this here earlier in the week. These are the numbers, Josh Allen versus the Dolphins. And some of this was against, you know, Matt Burke defenses, so that <laughs> that's no good. But even last year against Josh Boyer and two games, the, the two games the Bills played against the Dolphins, Josh Allen ripped the Dolphins a new one in, in a, the game and a half that he played against them. Um, passing, 114 for 178, 64% completion percentage, 1,552 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions, quarterback rating of 114.3, rushing 35 carries for 340 yards, three touchdowns. That's just in five and a half games. He, The Bills offense scored 32.4 points per game against the Dolphins in five and a half games, and they went five and one. And a lot of those wins were extremely convincing. So what, what that brings me to, Paul, is when you look at what the Steelers did last week, they blitzed one time last week one time the rest of the game was a four-man rush they got very creative with with how they came at josh allen with that four-man rush but it was it was very simple they rushed four they dropped they and they had two safeties back the dolphins it's going to be interesting to see if they adopt that same game plan again i'd be down for it i mean miami's got the safeties to fill out uh, a little bit of a loaded secondary miami does have the front four to put a little pressure on the passer um but one thing that I always go back to is I like the idea of spying Josh Allen, um, even if it's Sam McGuavin that you're spying him with. Somebody with some speed, somebody that can keep up, and somebody that if he goes to cross the line of scrimmage is going to make him pay. Yeah, that'll be it'll be interesting to watch that. And I wonder if that guy might be Jalen Phillips if you take him a little bit further off the line. He's going to be an interesting guy in this game. I mean, week one against the Patriots, if you just watch the game, you think, well, Jalen Phillips didn't do anything. He didn't make any plays. And you might be right about that. But when I watched the game in a little bit more detail, I saw Phillips getting double teamed throughout the game, which hey, Bill Belichick is not going to double team somebody he doesn't have respect for, mm -hmm. especially when he's going up against Isaiah Wynn at left tackle. He's a pretty good player when he's healthy. Um, this week he goes up against Deion Dawkins, who um, looked was a good player overall. You know, got rewarded four years, fifty-eight million dollar contract here just last month, but uh, 
he got eaten up last week. And also their left guard, John Feliciano, didn't play well either. Was their lowest grade rated player by PFF last week. I rewatched that game. Was constantly getting pushed back. So that's, to me, the biggest matchup of this game is Jalen Phillips and probably Christian Wilkins or Zach Sealer going up against Deion Dawkins at left tackle and John Feliciano at left guard because if they can win that matchup, they can possibly pressure the quarterback with their front four. They could, and and I know I saw some next-gen stats this week that Phillips was one of the uh, fastest-rated pass rushers uh, in the NFL in week one, even though I know he wasn't getting there, and like you said, he was double-teamed. So it will be interesting to see how he's utilized this week because I know Miami moved him all over the formation um, during the preseason. And, and I do expect him to be limit, used on a limited basis, though, um, just based on the fact that he hasn't fully cut his teeth yet. Right. Yeah, he he's not going to get as many snaps as, say, you know, obviously Jerome Baker or Andrew Van Ginkle. That, that's just not going to happen. Um but yeah, I mean, I I think he he does remain a big part of the game plan. I think you're right. They're they're they're, they're going to limit his snaps somewhat when he's on the field. He needs to get the better of Deion Dawkins, no no doubt about it. But Paul, one thing we haven't talked about yet too is the absence here of Will Fuller. Um, and really, if you look at both sides of the ball, you know, Gabe Davis may miss the game here for for the Bills on the Dolphins side of the ball. Preston Williams is iffy. My guess would be that he's out again this week. But Will Fuller, you know, it's it's too early to speculate on this, but middle of the week, they interview him. I mean, it sounds like he just can't wait to get out there and catch passes from Tua and get deep. Twelve hours later, he's not going to play in this game with a personal issue. And that best, you know, we we send our best to Will Fuller uh, for whatever he's going through. And, and from a matchup perspective, that's big, because if you had Fuller and Parker on the outside, Jalen Waddle in the slot, matched up against uh, Teron Johnson. That, that was a matchup the Dolphins were expected to win there. Yeah, and Miami's wide receiver room is very deep. And and one of the things I know I preach to e- even, even my little kids when I'm coaching is there are things in life that are bigger than football. And, you know, they're, whatever Will Fuller's going through right now, unless something ridiculous comes up, um, you know, I hope it's not anything devastating, and I hope that he gets through whatever it is. Uh, you know, Miami's wide receiver room is deep. Well, I, I think Miami's got a lot of speed anyway. They've got a lot of size anyway, and they've got ways that they can make it up. It, it, it's a player that we have not utilized yet anyway. Um, so best, best luck, best wishes. Hope everything works out okay to Will Fuller. Right, and I'm not going to speculate further on that. You know, I remember a couple of years ago when Lawrence Timmons, just like the day before the Dolphins game, uh, just went missing, and they, he was in Pittsburgh. It, it, and it was just never discussed what happened. And I, and I do think at a certain point, Dolphins fans are owed an explanation of that, of what happened. Uh, if if a, your biggest free agent suddenly isn't going to play in a game, in fact, the first game he's expected to play in. But we send our best to Will Fuller. It's not like he's ever done this here in his six-year career, so you know it's got to be something big. So we, yeah. we send our best to him. And and we may not be owed an explanation, um, to be honest with you. Like, it, it really depends. Like, if some type of police report or something like that comes out, maybe we are. But at the end of the day, 
just best wishes, Will. I think we are owed an explanation eventually. Uh, I'll I'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll we'll agree to disagree on that. We don't have to talk further on that. But I I, I think it's no doubt in my mind he's got he's got a good reason for doing what he's doing. Yeah. He's he's not he's not a flaky type of type of dude like that. So yeah. uh, let's get back to the game here. So um, on on the defensive side of the ball for the Dolphins, you know I talk about their their the front four. For, for them really needing to create that pass rush with Agba Phillips. Zach Sealer did a great job of, of pushing the pocket last week, and I think he's going to be a big player in this game. Christian Wilkins, he's the guy that, that teams run at. That that's just the that's just the truth here. And but he can get into the backfield too. So I think that's going to be the biggest part of this game. Now at, at defensive back, last year we remember, you know, the Bills go three and out on the first drive. And Byron Jones gets hurt, and then he misses the next couple of games. Noah Igbenogany steps in, gets his absolutely gets his lunch eaten. Stefan Diggs had what eleven catches for 130, 140 yards in what turned out to be a three point game. Now Byron Jones is back, and the Bills receivers last week didn't do all that great against the Steelers. Um, you know, really they only scored sixteen points on offense, only six in the second half. So, I mean. It, Getting Byron Jones back is, is is certainly going to be big in this. Uh, well, not back, but you know he's going to be playing in this game. He wasn't playing in the Week Two game last year. Well, the other thing that's good to have back at, that we didn't have in the Week Seventeen game last year is Landon Roberts, Sam McGuavin, Um and you know not a giant hole in the linebacking core because that that was big in that Week Seventeen matchup. Um, I'm hoping we see Andrew Van Ginkle get through and do some more Van Ginkley things this week. I know there were times where he wasn't all over the place last week, and that's not the guy we've been used to seeing. So I'm hoping that uh, we see Mr. Big Play AVG get back in there and, and cause some havoc in this game. Yeah, he'll be interesting to watch this week because if this isn't a game that the Dolphins should be teeing off on Josh Allen. And those are the types of games that Van Ginkle is successful in. You remember, you know, against those pocket quarterbacks, you remember like against the Rams and Jared Goff and, and the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo last year, he was able to be a constant problem. When he's dropping back, that's I'm not saying he can't do it. He certainly has the physical skills to do it, but he's better when he's charging forward than when he's going back. And we saw last week that one of the bigger plays in the game were Jan- Janu Smith went up the sideline, Van Ginkle missed a tackle on that one. So overall, very, very excited for Van Ginkle, but um, we'll see how much he blitzes in this one. Yeah, the other guy that I want to keep an eye on, sorry, I know I keep flip-flopping back and forth, um, but needs to show out and show up this week is Mike Gesicki. Um I know the Patriots scheme to take him out of there last week, He's supposed to be one of the top receiving tight ends in the game. You need to overcome that type of stuff because teams are going to do that. Um, so I'm looking for a big game out of Gasicki here in his contract year after getting shut out in week one. I am too. And, you know, Gasicki is, if you've got him in fantasy football, he's got to be the most frustrating player to have because it, that's kind of how, how his game-to-game goes because of his skill set. I mean, if, if it's a game where the Dolphins need a couple more blockers inside a tight end, he's probably not going to be on the field as much. He only had 21 snaps last week. I mean, rookie Hunter Long had 18. 
Durham Smythe had, I think, double that. I mean, and the Dolphins are also getting Adam Shaheen back here this week, too, presumably. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm with you. I think Kosicki is going to be featured a lot more. He's not, you know, every week we, we know that Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle, they're going to be featured. They're going to be on the field every play. Mike Kosicki's not like that. You know, he's he's more of a chess piece as, a, as opposed to an overall tight end. That's because Mike Kosicki can't block. He can't block. We knew that when he was coming out of Penn State. But uh, receiving-wise, very few players in the NFL can do what he's doing. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, let's see. Another, another matchup, too, is Ed Oliver against – um, against the Dolphins' interior line, you know you've got uh, you've got him going up against uh, presumably Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt, and that's a matchup I'm a little bit worried about on the inside too. Ed Oliver, very I'm not gonna, he's not Aaron Donald, but he's kind of that style, you know, that undersized pass rushing interior lineman, kind of like a Grady Jarrett, not. Not the best skill set, uh, or a pretty good skill skill set to be going up here against um, against these bigger Dolphins offensive guards. No, absolutely, and and I'm hoping that Kinley is able to be the people mover that we've seen him be at times, or at least be the big body guy that can hold up at the point of attack. Um, and we haven't really seen the Ed Oliver Robert Hunt matchup in the past because Hunt Hunt was out at, at offensive tackle in the past. So that's one that I'm definitely intrigued by. Sure. And with the rest of the offensive line, too, and something you said earlier, too, and I completely agree with you, that Austin Jackson is going to be back starting at left tackle, and he's going up against Jerry Hughes, who typically has a good game against the Dolphins. What is your hook here for Austin? Let's say Austin Jackson lets up a sack and gets a penalty in the first quarter. Let's say. I'm with you. I mean, I think you've got to – I looked at Liam Eichenberg last week, and we, you know, part of the downfall of us doing a show the same night is we could see throughout the week based on rewatching the game and, and what's being reported that we might change our opinion on a play. Liam Eichenberg, when he was thrown over last week, actually wasn't just trucked. Uh, he tripped over Solomon Kinley. So that changes things a little bit. Uh, he also had a, a penalty here late in the game, which forced the Dolphins back to a first and 14 with three minutes left. And then two of through that, that route, that uh, 13 yard pass to Parker, that could have been big too. But other than that, I, I look at him and I say, he absolutely looks the part of a left tackle. And that's, it doesn't look as awkward or clunky or technically unrefined as Austin Jackson does. Yeah. And if, if Jackson makes a start this week, I think we see him play into the second quarter, even if you and I would have a shorter hook, but if he's getting beat and burned, I would not be shocked at all to see Flores pull him out. Yeah, I I don't think he'll have as quick of a hook as we're saying where they, they pull him in the first quarter or anything like that. But you get toward the middle of the game, if it's clear he's losing that matchup, and they've got to eventually say, look, we, we can do better here. The downfall of Austin Jackson, among other things, is that you really – it's going to take time for him to move somewhere else and get used to that because he's been a left tackle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was a right tackle a little bit at USC. He said he could play guard or center, but we've never actually seen that. So 
he doesn't have the, the positional versatility that Robert Hunt and Liam Eikenberg do, especially based on experience here over the last year. So, yeah, you're right. It is going to take him time to move somewhere else, like Iowa or Ohio or wherever that isn't Florida. See, now you're going further than I have been on on Jackson. So, no, he's got he, he he's the guy we knew had to develop, and he's not there yet. He's definitely so. not there yet, and he's got in my eyes, he's got this year to do it. Only throwing it out there, Penny Sue will look great at left tackle in week one. I'm going to say it one time. I still like the Jalen Wild pick, and he did great. Four catches, 61 yards in the first game. And he's now with Will Fuller out. Waddle is going to be a major player here because against that Bills secondary in previous matchups, the Bills haven't seen somebody. The Bills have the same five guys in their secondary every year. They've got Tredavious White and Levi Wallace on the outside. Micah uh, Hyde and Jordan Poyer at safety and Teron Johnson at nickelback. Um, they haven't seen somebody with Jalen Waddle's speed in our previous matchups. Yeah, no, and and just so you know, Kat, it's uh, uh, <laughs> speaking of first round picks and things like that. I, I do have to make the joke here on the air. I I, I want to congratulate you officially and verbally. Um, and I know it's getting away from the Dolphins matchup for a second, but you brought up Penny Sewell, so I'll bring up a guy that I loved. I'm going to congratulate you and each and every one of our listeners on the fact that you all have more receiving yards at the moment at an NFL level than Kadarius Tony, who currently sits with two receptions for negative two yards. Uh, after wow. Two games. So Man, I didn't congratulations to you and all of our listeners on that. Man, I had a few beers last Sunday, and I just watched the games, and boom. Didn't know I was a receiving threat, so I, I appreciate that. I have kids on my 7U and 9U team that also – lead in receiving yards and have more than you and I so yeah and uh, also Tyler uh, Orian there and, and Chad very good after Sean Slater I, I watched that game too uh, looked incredible there at the left tackle spot so very good left tackles out there hopefully the Dolphins don't regret sticking with Austin Jackson Liam Eikenberg could be part of you know if if Liam Eikenberg st- let's say steps in for Austin Jackson does a good job and the Dolphins also have Jalen Phillips that they drafted instead of possibly trading up for a left tackle. Then I think that overall turns into a good situation. And also, too, in the chat, King Truth, you said, or, hang on a sec. Nobody said it. I want to make sure to give the right, uh, right person. Anyway, I think it was King Truth. Said, uh, Jess, or somebody said, Jesse Davis looked bad last week, or am I just alone on that? No, I, I agree with you. I don't think he looked good last week. And. He had a he had a penalty. He looks stiff. We we know he's kind of a stiff guy. Now, I, if if I had to redo my my evaluation of the game um, and again give a coke my coke bus player of the game, Jesse Davis would probably be it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that the Dolphins need to get better at both tackle spots. And one thing too, Paul, going back to a little something you said there is, yeah, the Dolphins' offensive line and pass protection did pretty decent last week against the Patriots. The Patriots also didn't bring a lot either. I mean, sometimes they were just bringing three guys, and this week you're going to see probably you're going to see at least four because they play a four-man front so often. And that at the defensive end spot, you're going to have Jerry Hughes, um, Gregory Rousseau, and Mario Addison going up against the Dolphins' offensive tackles. More kind of edge rusher, speed rusher types of guys there as opposed to what we saw with the Patriots last week. So. Actually, Kat, I just want to get to another thing from chat real quick. Um, Preston Williams, 
might be back this week. Thoughts? I think that's a good thing. I mean, I've look. I mean, my biggest issue with Preston Williams has has been that he's hurt so often, and you know, he he makes some mistakes out there. But I think he is a matchup problem. And and if you can put Preston Williams and Devonte Parker on the outside, and you can have Gasicki, um, Waddle, and Albert Wilson operating the slot there. I think that's a good thing, and I think the Dolphins could possibly win some matchups with that. I do too, but again, we just need Preston to stay healthy until Will Fuller is back. Um, it, it's it's no longer a question of if Preston Williams gets Preston Williams gets hurt again. It's a question of when. Um, in my mind, it's the guy's yeah. not going to play more than eight games for us a year. Period. Well, at least up to this point, he hasn't. And it, it's until he, until he shows otherwise. He's not going to play more than eight games for us a year, and we can't count on him for more than eight games a year. Well, they're they're always. It, it seems like <laughs> with our receiving core, when you look at these players one one on one, there always seems to be something going on with them. Preston Williams, obviously, with the injuries. Albert Wilson has barely played football in the last three years. Jakeem Grant with all the drops last year. Uh, now will you know will fuller obviously you know uh, with what's going on with him but when you have seven or eight guys like that that are talented and can win matchups <laughs> it, if you don't have all of them every week you still have a really good and a really good deep receiving core and that's i think what we're going to see here in this game no i'd agree with you on that i mean it's i do want to see a little more and people are going to think i'm crazy when i say this but I want to see a little more Jakeem Grant get on the field. Um, he showed a new set of hands this preseason that we haven't seen from him before. And I want to see a little more of it. Scummy said, you till green. Uh, yes. You till. Uh, it's an acronym for yet another torn interior ligament. <laughs> I felt so bad for that guy because he got, he, he got hurt his final year at Miami. I love the pick. Because he was so talented in Miami, tears his ACL first practice, comes back in '98. Is part of the reason the Dolphins don't take Randy Moss, tears his ACL again. Finally gets on the field in '99 a little bit, looks really good one game um, where the Dolphins lost 37 to 34 to the Colts in Miami in a huge game, a great game. And then he gets hurt again and his, his career is over. So, yet yeah, yeah. Green. The original <laughs> Slim Reaper, the guy that made Randy Moss look fat at the draft. Let's not forget Larry Shannon too, who uh, Jimmy Johnson said was uh, basically uh, the poor was basically every bit as good as Randy Moss. Well, no, nothing top Eddie Blake and crying to go home because he was homesick at minicamp in front of Don Shula. Eddie Blake, I see that was, that was a little before my time. Uh, I remember Manny Wright with Nick Saban, uh, where he's oh, yeah. poor guys, twenty years old. On video in the middle of practice, with his hands on his hips, literally crying like a. Wasn't he like twenty, like three hundred and thirty pounds? Yeah, he was. Ugh. He could never play. The Dolphins drafted him in the supplemental draft. They gave up a fifth rounder for him. Remember that. Anyway, we could keep going back and forth to a lot of these beauties here. Um, <laughs> Paul, let's get to the predictions here. Um, I'm, I'll throw it to you first. I'm gonna go. I'm going to go 21 to 17. 
Um, and I'm going to say Miami takes this one and, and gets to two and zero in the AFC East. I think it's going to be a battle. I think there are going to be some turnovers in this game on both sides of the ball. Um, but end of the day, I think Gesicki shows up and shows out in the final couple minutes of the game, and that's the difference maker here. And Got Van Ginkle takes Josh Allen down to seal it. So, 21-17, kind of a low-scoring game. In fact, I think that's the exact score as Josh Allen's first game against the Dolphins were in that Charles Clay drop game. That's the last time the Dolphins have beat Josh Allen. So, we didn't talk about the running backs, and I'll, let's unpack this a little bit before I get to my prediction here. So, you think the Dolphins' strategy here should be to kind of slow the game down? It's going to be, you know, it's going to be almost 90 degrees on Sunday, and uh, weather report says it'll feel like 97. I, I've never understood what that means, but it's going to be hot, and that sun is going to be glaring down on the Bills' sidelines and on the field. So, the Dolphins don't have a downhill power attack here, but... You think that they should try to, you know, run the ball, slow the game down so that they can manage it as they go forward. Is that how you see this going? Um, I hope not. I hope okay. Miami tries to wear them out and put the put the, the Bills offense on the field in that ninety degree heat over and over and more often and more often while keeping their front seven fresh. Got it. Uh, last week the Dolphins, you know, they ran the ball in the first drive, on the second drive. You know, I think they had seven carries after the first two drives. Then the Patriots stopped Savan Ahmed for a one-yard loss, Miles Gaskin for a one-yard loss, and they basically threw the running game out. Um, so we'll see what happens this week. I think they're going to stay a little bit more balanced this week. As far as me, yeah, and before I get to my prediction, I want, I want you, to, you all to know here that the Dolphins – were underdogs last week. They were three-point underdogs against the Patriots, and I predicted them to win 26-20. to 20. So I preface that by saying I think the Dolphins will lose this game. Um, I think they'll lose convincingly, unfortunately, very simply because of the matchups. I think the Bills are going to come back uh, after not looking good in week one. I think that woke them up a lot, and they're going to come back firing here in week two. I don't think the Dolphins right now can get – to Josh Allen rushing four defenders like like the Steelers were last week. So I'm going to go 35 to 21 in favor of Buffalo. Okay. Um, one thing, and actually I just want to expand on this because Scummy did say something in chat. If Miami can suck the defense forward, running some reverses with some of the guys that they have, if they can run some screens to slow the defensive line down, and then push the ball upfield with guys like Waddle and Parker and Mac Hollins and Albert Wilson uh, and really tire that defense out and push the ball in a way that they can score early and often. If you can get an early lead and force Josh Allen to play with urgency, that is when it is going to potentially get fun because Josh Allen playing with urgency in what's going to feel like 100-plus degree heat um, down there on the field is going to be an opportunity to take advantage of some mistakes in this game. I completely agree. And I, I like what a lot of people in the chat have said. We, we've got we've got such smart listeners here. And I, I'm not, you know, I don't throw compliments out lightly. Uh, so let's, let's, a uh, couple of things. Uh, Scummy said uh, uh, screens and reverses with Gaskin, Grant, and Waddle. 
with this heat, if that defense gets tired, I completely agree. I think that could be an incredible strategy because you get a reverse to Waddle against a tired Bills defense, he could take it 60 yards. And mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to see that a couple of times this year. That's what's exciting about the Jalen Waddle pick. Um, and uh, somebody else, too, here said, Douglas Anderson, I got, he said, I have two predictions. If Tua plays poorly, 35-7 to Buffalo. If Tua comes of age, 31-28 Miami. I, th- I think that's a, that's a proper way to look at it here. Um, I don't think 35-7 quite if Tua plays poorly, but Dolphins haven't shown the ability to stop Josh Allen yet. And if Tua plays poorly on top of it and they still can't stop Josh Allen, yeah, it could get ugly. That's the that's the truth of it. I'm, I'm going to change mine to 27-17 at this point. Okay. Well, I'm going to change mine to 38 to 20. No, I'm going to stay 35-21. Buffalo on that. Uh, I hope I'm wrong because if I'm wrong, let me tell you, it's going to be a good time here Sunday night when we come back for the post game show, and a lot of incredible things to look forward to from that point because Dolphins had the first two games last year the same. They they played at New England and they played Buffalo at home. The Dolphins were beat handily last year at New England when Cam Newton. I mean, the score didn't reflect that they only lost by 10, but that could have been a lot worse. Um, Dolphins come back this year at New England and they win. They haven't been able to beat Buffalo or stop Josh Allen in a long time now. If they show the ability to do that here and they're 2-0, and lighter schedule coming up, that's when things get fun. Thank you, everyone, for joining us here. Yeah, real quick, one thing I want to add as well. Sorry, I don't mean to just jump in with this, but that blowout at the end of last year, uh, we still have to look back, and I know we've talked about it a lot, so I figure we should just mention it again here uh, going into the game. That blowout last year had a, featured a tremendous amount of drops by the likes of Isaiah Ford and Mac Hollins and a whole bunch of backups uh, with an injured Devontae Parker and an injured Mike Kosicki playing a handful of plays. So if, what was it? I, I think it was some astronomical number of drops in the game, like more than they had had in the previous five weeks combined. I, I think mean, it was 11, and I, I, to this day, don't know if somebody was kidding. Uh, I thought it was actually 12 or 13, and I don't think it was kidding because there were so many drive-killing drops in that game, which got the Bills offense back on the field. So with Miami's receiving core now, that is a whole different game going in. Certainly. Uh-huh. I mean, Devontae Parker had 100 yards last, last year in that game, but he still was playing hurt. Gesicki, I still say, you know, he, he toughened it out when Fitzpatrick came back in the Raiders game. But overall... I mean, he was playing questionable, doubtful every week for the last three or four weeks. And yeah, yeah there, last week, I, I, I'll repeat again, in the last week of the year, and the Dolphins looked terrible on both sides of the ball. Don't get me wrong. They looked worse on defense. But, you know, I remember them going five wide, and they had Patrick Laird, Durham Smythe, Malcolm Perry, Isaiah Ford, and Mac Hollins out there going five wide. I'm like, here are five guys who should not even be on the football field. Collins has gotten better, but you, you know what it is. So speaking of five guys, I'm hungry, so let's go ahead All and get right. out of here, Cat. All right, sounds good. That will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins-Bills matchup. Here, be sure to join us back here Sunday night. We're aiming for about 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, be sure to join us, win or lose. Um, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the Fan Sided Network and FinFanatic.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. <laughs>